We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. Oh, oh my goodness! Stunning! With the... Devontae deep! Oh my goodness! Oh, I don't believe it! A 30-foot on the ground! Just stop it already! All right, welcome in to another BuzzBeat podcast. We are a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Today, it will be myself, Spencer Percy, and Brian Geisinger, we're going to discuss really what, what is the most important points of the offseason agenda for the Hornets. Some Malik Monk, big decisions, Terry Rozier, a few options the Hornets could go on him. And then, of course, Devontae Graham uh, will be a restricted free agent this summer. Um, before we jump in, <clears throat> I just wanted to thank you know all of our members. I think we've got close to 10 now, if maybe not a few more, uh, over at Buy Me a Coffee. Um, if you haven't checked that out yet, uh, the link will be in the episode notes. So please go join uh, some really, really good content. Um, I've got an off-season preview piece coming this week. Brian had some very in-depth kind of Hornets playbook uh, content last week. And I know he's got more coming. And Richie's also had some some really good pieces on there too. Uh, most recently, I believe, uh, about kind of a deep dive on Miles Bridges uh, and his progression. So if you haven't checked that out yet, uh, please go do so. And we'd appreciate anybody that would consider joining. Um, wanted to shout out our, our most recent member, Maxton Artis, uh, who was a very generous with his donation and is now a member. So if you haven't checked that out, please go do so. Um, not to toot our own horn, but I, I do thank BG that our, that our Hornets content is pretty in-depth. So I actually think you're, you're really getting some bang for your buck there. On that note, BG, what's up? Uh, not much. Uh, enjoying the playoffs, getting ready for the drafts. Um, nah, man, things are, uh, things are pretty good. And yeah, more, more stuff coming at the, the buy me a coffee site. Last week I sort of focused on a couple of different ways. Like the Hornets like to use miles bridges in the post. And I've got, uh, something queued up for either later this week or early next week or something like that. That'll be on um, another one of Charlotte's sort of like go-to sets and how they use PJ Washington in it. So uh, a lot of stuff in the pipeline here, but I'm, I'm hanging in, man. How about you? How is the, uh, how's the family doing here? Good. Yeah. Can't complain. 
you know, playoff basketball has been pretty fun. I think so far. Uh, I don't, I don't mind. Uh, you know, the the LA's and the New Yorks. I guess we have one LA team remaining, but I don't mind some of the the bigger headline teams that have been yeah. eliminated so far. I, I just yeah. think it's, I think it's a lot of fun that we have. You know, Chris Paul and and the up and coming Utah Jazz and you know up and coming yeah. Denver Nuggets who would be a title contender without the Murray injury. Like it's just a fun collection of up and coming NBA teams with young talent, which I think is really cool. It's the the Murray injury is just like I mean it's been a bummer every day since it happened, but seeing how close they are, like they could. I mean I think Phoenix is going to win this series, but like that game was close before Chris Paul just went nuts last night, and like Denver's Denver's this close to making the Western Conference Finals without you know an All Star caliber you know pick and roll dynamo at, at point guard with Murray, which is just crazy. Like they're not going anywhere anytime soon, and. I don't know. Michael Porter Jr. kind of giveth and taketh right now, but man, he is a ridiculous, ridiculous shot maker. And uh, you know, we get to have the like, you know, what if Clay Thompson was six ten? Sort of, uh, you know, discussion with, with with him. Not quite the off ball mover, obviously that that Clay is, but man, he is a, a special talent shooting the ball. And um, I don't know. I was thinking. I was. I was thinking about you and Richie and. Cause we've talked about this stuff over the years, but, um, but also like the, the community around buzz beat when, um, the Clippers were staving off elimination and then knocking the Mavs out of the playoffs. Um, the Nick Batum Renaissance, uh, continues. And, uh, I don't know. There, there was some little moment while watching that and then watching how well Blake Griffin has been playing for Brooklyn the last couple of games where you're just like, you know, puts a little bit of a sour taste to my mouth how these guys you know they they get out of their small markets in Detroit in Charlotte they get to literally Brooklyn and LA and all of a sudden they're you know they revitalize like they're they're out here just playing a completely different brand of basketball than they have been the two previous seasons which is um a little annoying and I know Batum didn't play that much his last season in Charlotte but I just I love this stat which is that he had seven dunks in the first round series against the Mavs. And he would have had eight if he had finished that one on top of Bobin. He had three dunks his whole last season in Charlotte. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is amazing to see. It's to see how, what the, like he, it's Portland Batum. Like that's what he's playing like for them. Yeah. And uh, he's really, I mean, he's, he's dr- helping drive winning for them along with Kawhi, obviously just being incredible. Yeah, it, it's definitely it's definitely tough to swallow, BG. No question. Um, yeah. You know, it, it does. It's one of those things. It does make you stop and wonder. Just um, like I, I know Blake Griffin's situation isn't the same as Nick Batum's, but right. you know, Batum specifically, you just wonder. It's like, was it just a mental thing? Like, is that what we can basically attribute this to now? Um, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would just quit you know, on a franchise. And I know there was a lot of great puff pieces about how good of a teammate he was and accepting he was, of his lesser role and all this stuff. But it is, it is really hard to watch after all the basketball we watched from Nick Batum and Charlotte to, you know, like he was thrown into a time machine, you know, pre Charlotte to your point and dunking and attacking closeouts and, just generally being aggressive offensively, right? Uh, and maybe maybe that's much easier to do when when Paul George and Kawhi, you know, Kawhi Leonard are, are two of your teammates that you're sharing the floor with. Maybe it's easier to be uh, mentally free and, and confident. But 
I share your sentiment, BJ. That it's yeah. a little bit dis- dis- discouraging, is is to put it lightly. So yeah, uh, it's going to be funny if we get Batum versus Kaminsky in the uh, the Western oh, Finals too. Well, I, you know, Frank's had a nice little run here. I, I am surprised Phoenix is. Uh, you know, their second line of centers have held up like they have so far in the playoffs. Um, but I, I still, I'm just, I'm just. I'm not a believer that the farther Phoenix goes, Frank Kaminsky is going to be a real yeah. part of their rotation. But, I mean, he's their backup center right now, which they, surprises they, me. They tried to knock the dust off Dario Saric in uh, in in game one against yeah. Denver. And I think it's like you got to – he played well, I thought, the first like half season for Phoenix. And, like, just never – he lost his confidence. And I, I, I think maybe there was an injury too, but, like – I mean, he to, to have like Frank Kaminsky usurp you in the rotation uh, after Phoenix committed some money to him last offseason is like kind of wild. But um, yeah, the last last thing on on the Suns just because they're they're really fun. But um, what Devin Booker's doing is incredible right now. Uh, I, this dude is just absolutely built for the um, the postseason, and mm-hmm. I, I just could not be more impressive with how he closed off the Lakers and. He didn't even have like his his fastball going necessarily in game one against Denver, but just his shot making, the scoring from all three levels, the passing, the the slashing, the physicality of his game. He can just score in literally every way from every level, yeah. um, off movement, off dribble. Like, and it's interesting because they they mixed up their Denver mixed up their coverages, and we saw some Aaron Gordon on him, and you know Aaron Gordon tried to post him up on the other end, but just. Booker's a matchup issue because uh, until Barton or you know Dozier get back, because it's a hard, it's hard, it's a lot to ask Gordon to like chase him off screens and stuff. Uh, it's different if it's like pick and roll or whatever, but uh, or ISO, but just I I don't know. There, there's I don't know if there's anyone quite else like Booker. He he is sort of like looks like the model you know two way wing, but with his just his his confidence and his shot making, uh, man, he is turn into one hell of a player really 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 fun offensive talent and like a much improved defender too yeah he's fun i mean you know he's the exact kind of guy you want at the end of games you know to yeah. take big shots you know but you know you highlighted everything else that he can do and it, it's it's just great you know playoffs remind you every single year um among other things in this league but things change fast you know yeah. players progress Really, really quickly. I think Orange fans saw that, that, that this year with Miles Bridges. Unfortunately, we didn't get a, a chance to see him in a postseason. But yeah, I mean, Devin Booker's here, right? I mean, he's going to yeah. be in our in our <laughs> deep postseason lives for the next four, five, six seasons, probably. Yeah. I mean, he's a supreme offensive wing talent, um, which you could always see. You really could. You, he passed the eye test, but it was all the ancillary things around the edges that he came up short in, and it just. It really took very little time for the light to come on. And it, you wonder too, though. I mean, does it help to play one of one of the best point guards ever? Probably sure. does. I mean, I'm sure that Chris Ball makes the game sure. a little easier for Booker. But uh, it's been fun to watch. And I think Phoenix is, you know, I, I think Denver's, like to your point, they're there. They, they could make the Western Conference Finals. I actually kind of think Phoenix is sup- just superior, I, I would yeah, say, to are. them. I, I mean, this is a good five or six-game series. Yeah. Uh, just from kind of what I could tell from that that first game, but it's fun. It's fun to yeah. see the Suns be relevant. It really is. L- last note before we jump into this, just um, you know, the further we like, the further we get into these guys' careers, 
you know, as you're watching Phoenix, you're seeing Michael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton play really, really well. Like they had great seasons, but those guys were incredible in, in game one. Ayton has just built himself into such a phenomenal defensive center. It, it really is seemed to, I mean, he made baby steps, but man, this season he took a just massive leap. But um, man, that 2018 draft just, I mean, we've seen it like with, with Charlotte because of Devontae Graham and Miles Bridges turning into such an excellent player, but just seeing what Luka did, what Trey Young is doing, what Kevin Herter is doing for the Hawks too. Um, I mean, they're just, that draft, it continues to, and just continues. It's, gonna, it's looking like it's going to be a really, really good one because you've still got yeah. Jaron Jackson in that class too. Um, man. You got Shea in there who, yeah. I mean, still one of the better players in the class. Yeah. 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 And like he's like Shay's like he could be an all star next season and then for the next sure. 10 years after that. So could have been. There was an argument he was yeah. this year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just turning that, that, that's looking to be a really, really impressive class. And um, yeah, look like, you know, Charlotte drafting at not the best spot in it, sort of like late lottery, looks to have actually done pretty well for itself by, uh, by, by getting Miles Bridges, who just continues to improve as well. It's a good point. Well, let's start with a draft that came just before that, um, when the Hornets selected Malik Monk. I mean, that's that's where I want to start our offseason agenda conversation here. You know, is is Monk priority number one? Uh, probably not, but I think he's the most interesting case uh, for the Hornets this offseason, mostly because he's got a, uh, got a $16 million cap hold, which, which is a large number for a guy that's not going to make anywhere close to that, no matter what his next contract is annually so let's start the conversation here pg to you do you think that the hornets should prioritize even if it's not number one they they should make it a priority to bring malik monk back on another contract do you think that should be something mitch kupchak is really focused on getting done this summer in your opinion yeah it's um we've talked about this a lot there's a couple different ways probably to to get into it but a couple weeks ago you richie and i talked about you know if you were to prioritize uh, you know, Graham, Rozier, Monk, sort of like who would you want here longer term? Um, you know, I picked Devontae and Malik and my reasons for Monk where he's the youngest of that group and he's the best at getting to the rim and probably the best you know, the best defender of that group too, I would I would say. Um, he's still super young. Um, I would like to see Malik Monk back in a Charlotte uniform it may be important depending on what else they do that Malik Monk is back in a Charlotte uniform, but it's going to be really, really hard to figure out, not to figure out, but just sort of like to decide on how they want to go about it in terms of the money because of that cap hold. Um, You know, can you get Malik Monk on an extension that makes a little bit of sense? Um, I'm not sure what the market is for him out there. That's probably somewhat of an advantage for Charlotte. Um, I like what he can do as a fit next to LaMelo. I would make him a priority, perhaps a a lower one, but I would make him a priority for, yeah, my off season. As far as like trying to get him back at a, at a number that makes sense. Is that an extension for 6 million a year, 7 million a year, you know, somewhere in, in that range. Um, which you know is coming in below the the full mid level in terms of you know average annual value, but if you can get him on that kind of number, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know if you saw or heard any of his quotes 
from his sort of like end of season press conference. Um, he he brought yeah, up something. Bit, yeah. yeah, he brought up something sort of about his playing time and which you know he thought sort of had gone down a little bit. And I mean, it seems like he and Brago have a mostly good relationship, but like there is still sort of a gap in between what he expects and what 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 he's what he has been given in terms of uh playing time and role and so it's like if if Charlotte's going to continue to use him the way they are I don't kind of really see how he can be a priority so like my thing yeah, would be exactly. like if you're bringing yep. him back as a, if you're if you're prioritizing the return of Malik Monk which I don't think is a bad idea then it, that's got to be contingent on well we're going to really like he's the sixth man next year, mm-hmm. you know, or he's this, you know, I don't think he's starting at two or whatever, but like it, it has to be contingent on that. And, um, you know, I'm hopeful to see Malik Monk back, but if he is not, then, um, you know, at least, at least you can say at the last two seasons, they've given it somewhat of a shot because it really felt like the first two seasons were just lost for, for Malik, especially the rookie season. So, um, yeah. and some of the, and some of that's on Steve Clifford, and some of that is on James Brago his, his first season as they were desperately going for the playoffs. So um, I would I would make it a priority, but it would be on the lower end, and it would be contingent on a couple of things in terms of role and, and money. What do you, what do you think about Monk? Yeah, well, I think you nailed it. You know, <clears throat> if if he's gonna come back in the role that he played this season or something similar, even when he was good, um, I don't know how he can be a priority. You know, it's just it's a real tricky situation with Charlotte. There's like two routes they can take. Is it, well, really, there's only one if they want to keep him and actually accomplish the other things that they need to this offseason. That is to get a deal done with him, like first things first in free agency, because that's the only way they can clear, you, unlock the flexibility they need from a cap perspective. I mean, they're just Charlotte can't have a sixteen million dollar hold sitting on their books for a week and get a starting center in my mind. Yeah. Uh, if they're going to, if they, their next starting center is going to come from free agency, now that might not be the case. It might come from the draft, but um, yeah. you know that's the real tricky part. Which, which is, you know, I, I think that just depends on like how how engaging is Monk's camp going to be with Charlotte early in free agency. They're probably going to go shop his services, so I would guess not real engaging. There, yeah. you know, Charlotte's. I reading the tea leaves, I kind of agree with you. I, I don't think that if Monk hasn't felt prioritized by this team over his fa- past four years, I don't think he's going to grant Charlotte uh, first conversation of free agency. That's just a guess. But <clears throat> my guess is that this is just realistically thinking, this is probably a pretty easy decision with Cupcheck. Go shop your services. We're going to renounce your rights. It, I mean, they can still have a conversation. He's just yeah. an unrestricted free agent. You know, like they can yeah. still come in and, and say, well, we're going to offer you the most money. But I think Charlotte has to create maximum flexibility for themselves um, if if they were serious about throwing an offer sheet at a restricted free agent or something. And I wouldn't rule that out. So I think chances are uh, Monk's probably not back in Charlotte. Um, it, it just sucks, though, BG, because I do agree with you. I would like to see Monk back. But under the the cap circumstances we're facing with him, I don't see how it's possible. Because I think if you get him back on sixty seven million dollars, that's a good investment. That's you're doubling yes. down on a guy that has had some bad breaks, but has shown some flashes the last few seasons. And we talked about this last summer that or last offseason that hey, maybe it's worth going yeah. go ahead and extending Monk now and just saying like blind like w- there's no evidence that that's a good decision. But at the number you're going to extend him at, why it? It shouldn't be considered a bad decision, right? 
I wish they had. I mean, it's it's revisionist history to say it now, but like at the time a year ago, or a little less than a year ago, whenever the 2020 offseason was, I don't even like remember that blob of my life. But like, right. <laughs> we were sort of like beating that drum a little bit. And yeah, I mean, if you could have gotten Malik, I mean, the numbers that we're just throwing out, the like the seven, eight, that type of number, like. I don't know, maybe not many of those types of extensions get signed, you know, like that kind of smaller number, like that just doesn't happen all that often or whatever. But if you could have got him on that, I mean, you could have retained Malik Monk, at least had him as a trade asset, even if he wasn't a part of your long-term plans. And he would be at a number that would be a fraction, you know, half, 50% or whatever, what his cap hold is. And that would mean mean a, a world of difference for some of these other free agency scenarios that, that you're proposing. So, um, you know, some, I think monk. Yeah. yeah. I think you and I were on the right track and I would be surprised if the team didn't try to talk to him about it. But I think for monk, like looking at the season, we just watched what, what a lot of people were projecting from Charlotte. Everybody just guessed like if Malik monk's ever going to have an opportunity to prove himself, it's going to be this season, right? The season we just watched, which it was mainly, I mean, he, he had some injury, you know, un- unlucky injury there. But so I think he was just like Monk betting on himself, which I totally get. We'll see how it works out for him. I think you've got it nailed though. Six, seven, eight million dollars. I'd be, I'd be very surprised if he got an annual contract above that. Yeah. I mean like that, that, and there's so few teams, like his market is going to be fascinating just based off of like, I don't think Monk is like a guy that anyone's going to throw the full mid level at, you know what I mean? No. But there also aren't just like, there's not a lot of like, you know, you're, there are a lot of teams that are, you know, working with their except only their exceptions probably in free agency or projected to work only with their exceptions or whatever. So, I don't know that that, that makes the market just a little interesting for for uh, for Malik. And yeah, like both the injuries that he and Hayward had were kind of. I mean, I know this stuff happens in basketball, but they were just like bad luck injuries. Like those dudes just stepped on someone else. You know what I mean? And like it stinks. Yeah. You know, I wish we could have had the opportunity, the playmaking reps, the final five weeks of the season um, before he came back or, you know, those, that, the, that four week gap, five week gap in between when he got hurt, when he came back, it just, it's missed time that you can't have, you can't literally can't have it back. And uh, who knows, yeah. maybe that wouldn't change at all how they approached free agency, but d- hell you never know. Like it, like it, maybe it, it could have changed. Like well, our opinions on miles bridges changed in that span of time you know yeah what I mean? yeah exactly and you like you just said when we were talking about the sun stuff in this league changes quickly i don't know there's no denying malik's talent and i think there's a spot for him to play in the nba and be on a be a guy that's on a winning team mm-hmm. but uh, that may not be in that may not be in charlotte unfortunately we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, let's move on to Terry Rozier, who, you know, I, I've got a piece coming out, you know, later this week on, on Buy Me a Coffee, which I mentioned earlier. And in, in Rozier's case, which is also a very interesting one for Charlotte, uh, I, I discussed in length. And, you know, I, like, I don't think Charlotte could have expected much more when Terry really just felt like a throw in, <laughs> like in yeah. the, in, in, yeah. in the chemist side of trade. I mean, that's effectively what he was. It's kind of a last second throw in another like Danny Ainge, like WTF moment at, on his way out. Although I think <laughs> the, 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 the totality of Ainge's you know, career there was good, but it's like, I mean, I know he's not happy there, but you're just going to, you're just going to throw this guy in here at the last second. You could just sign Kimba with your space. Like you don't even yeah. need to do so that was weird. It was and a Charles, weird thing to do. Just real yeah. quickly, as an aside, because because like Ainge is you know not working for an NBA team now. It yeah. is fascinating how Charlotte played a role the last two seasons in sort of like how Ainge mm-hmm. Ainge's tenure ended. Like yeah, the, the Charlotte not giving Kemba a a max max or a super max or whatever, getting Rozier in the sign and trade, and then Boston just being like Charlotte being like, say I won't to stretching Nick Batum and, and, tr- and getting Gordon <laughs> yeah. Hayward in Boston being like, yeah. you won't do that. And then Michael Jordan being like, okay, do that. And then they did it. And like, <laughs> right. it's like, that's just yeah. one of those things. Like no one, uh, even as people are talking about age and his tenure and losing Hayward, it's like something came completely out of left field. You know what I mean? And it was just yeah. the wild card Hornets willing to, to just, you know, do something uh, a little crazy. Yeah, it's you know it's never it's never that I don't think that was like the straw that broke the camel's back and it's never like one thing but it, that just Charlotte's role in the final two years of age yeah. and how that sort of things went sideways for Boston is like kind of interesting especially if you trace their interactions back to the 2015 draft too. Correct. Yeah, turning down the four draft picks. Yeah, it does make you think a little deeper about that's good. It's a great point about stretching with Tim. That makes you think a little bit deeper about what was the real. Yeah, what was the real reasoning behind stretching between? Was it was it sticking one to the man, or was it getting a good player? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Well, Rosier, you know, back to my point. I I think it would be hard for Charlotte fans, for the front office, for the coaches to say they expected much more from Rosier these past two seasons. He's a player with his warts. There, there's no doubt about that. But he's one of the best catch and shoot players in the league at this point, and I, and I really think he's polished his his offensive game in a lot of areas, which, which we've touched on already. But Here's the deal with Rozier, and I think you and I are, are aligned <clears throat> on this opinion. So let's start with what Charlotte should do first, and, and that's probably test the trade market, take the temperature of the market on Rozier. He's an expiring contract at just under $18 million. I would, in, in my opinion, I would say that most people across the league would, would view that as a plus asset. You know, it's an expiring deal, so you can make two arguments. It's an expiring deal. It's super um, valuable across the league, or, it, you know, he's still young. You know, Rozier's 27 years old. It, it would actually be more valuable if there was three or four years left on the deal. I think there's a few different ways to look at this, So, and that we're going to get into all this. So I, I'll just go ahead and pitch a few trades to you, BG, and maybe you have some for me too that I've, I've kind of circled. If I were Mitch Kupchak, here's where I would start. First, I would, I would pick up the phone. And I would call Portland and I would say Rosier, something revol- you know, involving Rosier, Charlotte, our 2021 first round pick, probably going to be 11-ish mm-hmm. 
for CJ McCollum? Portland says no. And then Charlotte says, okay, what if we threw in PJ Washington? That's the first thing I would do. Assess that one, BG. Bad idea. I think Portland has to think about that one. That's why I bring it up. If I were Portland, I would do that deal in a heartbeat. Not in a heartbeat. I have to think about it because I know Dame and CJ are like, those guys are tight. And I know McCollum is good, even though he did not have a great series against Denver. And if he had shot a little bit better, maybe Portland is playing Phoenix right now. Um, The margins are that tight, I guess. But um, I mean, like Portland could really use a guy in the front court like PJ, right? I mean, he's, and he's got two years left on his rookie contract. You know, CJ's better than Terry Rozier. And I'll be fascinated to see how Rozier's mid-range shooting holds up next season. Like if it does, something we talked about a lot this season, but like, is that an outlier or is Rozier just a, like a mid-range killer along with, you know, the, the catch and shoot efficiency, which he, we now have a two-year sample saying he's pretty freaking good at that. I don't think it's like a horrible idea for Charlotte. I just don't think it makes them, I think it, I mean, you, you clear the four spot for miles, but you lose some of your lineup flexibility with PJ. I wouldn't do that. I don't think it's like a, like an awful idea to propose. I see why both sides would consider it, but if I were Charlotte, I wouldn't do that. If I were Portland, I would, I would want to do that. I I get all your points and I've, I've thought about this one a lot. I think at the end of the day, if I were Charlotte, I probably would do that. I would probably try to go get a player like CJ McCollum, mainly for one reason, because I think the probability of the Hornets finding with how good this team's going to be, good enough over the next few seasons, finding another difference maker via the draft, the probability of that happening, a difference maker that really moves the needle, right? The probability of that happening has gone down all of a sudden, you know, because of how good LaMelo Ball was in year one. I don't know how many more bites of the apple a team like a franchise, a small market like Charlotte would have at getting a, a, a I still think CJ McCollum's a really good NBA player. I, I know he had a weird playoffs. You know, he's he's 29 years old. There, you can make an argument he's still kind of right in his prime, if not approaching the best he's gonna be. And I, I you just again, small markets like Charlotte don't get many chances to get a player like this. Um, and I think if you pair him with Gordon Hayward. Miles Bridges and Lamella Ball, and you know, would eat into your cap space a little bit, but you still have some flexibility to build around. Like, I think that's a pretty formidable Eastern Conference team, uh, and I think it's okay to be a four, a five, a six seed, and and then see what happens. You know, maybe they get lucky in the draft in the next few years, but I, th- I think at the end of the day, I would do if I was Charlotte. It's interesting. Again, to your point, the thought of those guys being one through four. You know, Lamelo, CJ. Uh, Hayward, Miles, Mobile Center X, and then, you know, one of like Devontae or Malik as like the sixth man, you know, and, and Jalen. Like, that's a pretty interesting, Jalen, anything else? It's a pretty interesting team. I'm just not, uh, I get, this is another conversation for another day, probably, but just like the more broad conversation about what to do if there's something you, if there is even something you need to do about Miles and PJ, right? Like, you know, is there too much overlap? The diminishing returns. Do you need to move one guy or whatever? But it's like right now, PJ Washington is like he's set up to be the best center on the team next year. You know, he's still an important piece for them at the four. Um, CJ is an upgrade over Rozier, um, and they're both going to give you largely the same thing. I just think McCollum is like a, a better version of it, probably a, a better playmaker too. But neither are very good defensively. 
um, to say the least. So you're not really getting anything there. And I don't, I just think that you lose PJ, you lose. Yeah. I mean, the guy that's right now, the best center on the roster, you know, a good front court defender that can shoot threes. So I'm just, I'm not, I, I'm not putting him in there to mm-hmm. grease the wheels on that trade. If it was like, if it was Rozier in the pick for CJ, mm-hmm. I still don't really want to do that, but you know how I feel about hmm. draft picks. But like, I would be, that would make like more sense to me, right? You know, yeah. but I just can't, I I get the rationale, yeah, but I, I just can't, yeah. I can't get there. Yeah. At least not yet. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, it, it's really, it's really a fascinating thought exercise. It really is. Cause I think it's a very fair trade, you know, both sides and, it's the ultimate uh, one for Charlotte fans yeah. where I think that there's there's a lot of belief in P.J. Washington. There should be still, um, you know, as, as, as Charlotte fans, we do value draft picks, right? So it's like it's the ultimate. You you, you got to yeah. give something up to get something, and it's and it's hard to get all the way there. So yes. I'm going to throw another one at you. It's not as fun as that all one, right. but I, I kind of I, – actually, I don't know if I would do this or not if I were Mitch Kupchak, so I need your guidance here, BG. All right, I'm calling the Clippers. <clears throat> I'm, I'm engaging them. I'm saying, you know, you, you did F up on that Luke Kennard contract. All right. Yeah. You just go ahead and admit it. Let's all, let's get that. Okay. You did. Okay. You admit it. Okay, good. So how about I send you Terry Rozier and you send us Luke Kennard. We'll kick the tires on him. We'll take his contract, which is not mm-hmm. great. Not terrible. You can swallow it if you're Charlotte pretty easily. And you throw us that, what is it? 25th pick or, or something like that. Yeah. It might be a little better. Yeah, it is the 25th pick. Yeah. So is that even worth, I mean, I feel like in a vacuum, that's a pretty good way to cash out on Rozier. But at the same time, that could just be a total giveaway. So yeah. what do you think about that one? No, I kind of I kind of like that. Um, Kennard can give you some of the stuff that Rozier did. He's a bad defender. Uh, but, you know, Terry's not very good on that end either. Um, you'd only have him th- for three years on that contract. Like if he shoots well, you might be able to move him at some point. Getting the 25th pick is nice. You know, like all of a sudden now you're going to work with uh, – the 11th and the 25th pick that, that kind of deal would be more up my alley. Um, now I could, I could also see how some people would say, well, Terry's at the height of his, you know, he had his best season ever. He's in the prime of his career, scored the ball. Well, shot well from the range. You know what he does from downtown. Shouldn't we be able to get something more than, you know, Luke Kennard, a bad contract and the 25th pick. And it's like, I don't know because you're still getting something like you know Rozier, yeah, Rozier's right. asset is netting you a first round pick like that's not nothing even if it is a late one, um, but that would be more up my alley. But um, if they did that, you know you've got to have something like I don't think the you know the Canard Mellow backcourt defensively is <laughs> would probably not be all that all that great. And it would I'd be mm. curious to see if they did that how that would inform how they approached you know Malik Monk perhaps. But I know this has been a lost year for Kennard, but he still shot pretty well from threes. He's been a good offensive player at times in his career when he's been healthy. And he could give you some of the movement shooting that Rozier does too. So it's like you're getting back some stuff plus a pick. And I mean, that contract isn't going to be like a, a necessarily like a, a boat anchor on the books either. So I would be, I would, I think I would thumbs give a thumbs up to that one, but I don't think that'll be a very popular trade amongst uh, most Hornets fans. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I don't think it would be a very popular trade. But to your point, I think this is likely what you what about you can expect to get for Rozier. Um, I, like I, I think that as he enters this next phase of his career, you know, he can be 
again, he can be one of the better catch and shoot three point shooters in the league. I think that's where his value will really, really land. I'm not sure how much more he can develop. Maybe he can, but this is this is the realistic trade <laughs> for Hornets fans to to start kind of yeah. circling with Rozier. Yeah, I mean, Kennard, to be, I mean, I know he didn't play like a ton this season. He's been in and out. I know he you know, showed up in Game Seven against Dallas and had a really good performance, but he's young. Like, Kennard's like 24, 25 years old, yeah. BG. Like, he, yeah. he, we can't write him off yet. Yeah. And um, the only, and the real reason that I, I ended up on that trade is I, I started circling the Clippers because I thought they need, like, Beverly fell short. They're not getting anything from him. They, they're not getting anything from Kennard. Like, they need more shooting on that team. Yeah. Um, you know, they need a wing that can just take a little bit of pressure off PG and Kawhi, uh, the ball handling duties. And I no. thought, I mean, Rozier fits perfectly with them, I think. I think he makes them a lot better. That that's a cre- It really is a creative one. I mean, maybe they want a guard that gets to the rim a little bit more, but it's not like Terry's like yeah. anemic at driving. You know, like he's he still slashes and just maybe doesn't get, you know, he's not like a high volume rim guy, but he, he can still get there and stuff. It's not like he can't crack a defense. No, that that's interesting. And um, hey, real I quick, mean, yeah, because I want to I want to hear from your next ones. If I could find like an offshore book that would give me odds on Devont to both Rosier and Devonte Graham being on the opposite LA teams next year, oh if anyone God. can find that, <laughs> I, I'm going to put a little money on that uh, on that bet because I think there's a chance the Lakers will covet Graham. Totally different conversation, uh, yeah. and I just think Rosier is a nice fit with the Clippers. So, anyways, if somebody can find that bet, send it my way. Yeah, the the Devonte to LA murmurs have been uh, they're they're like largely in like sort of like distant corners, but you can see why the that team, not just like the insane fans online, would uh would would be sort of like wanting sort of targeting him as a as a guy that could really complement uh LeBron and AD quite nicely as a you know a passer and in, in three point pull up shooter, but um yeah the uh, I also think too. You know, Rozier unlocked a bunch of different stuff once he got to Charlotte and certainly helped getting more playing time and usage too. But like maybe, maybe Borrego's system could get some of that out of Luke Kennard too, right? Like, and yeah, just yeah, all, exactly. the, all the movement shooting possessions. Put the ball just, in his hands more often. Yeah, yeah. You, just, you just run everything to the opposite <clears throat> side now because he's left handed. You know what I mean? But like, I, yeah, I think LaMelo would, would make his life easier. I think JB's system could uh, could also help Kennard. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting one to ponder. Um, I like all that. All right, though. BG, do you have any trades for Rozier before we kind of have an extension conversation with him? Any? No, I've got nothing in the. Um, nothing in the. Although there was one. Uh, I will be swiping this one. Apologies to uh, to to Richie Randall, but I will be. There was one that he kicked out in a a trade in like a an idea to us earlier in the text thread with the three of us, where he said Terry Rozier, PJ Washington to the Indiana the, to the Pacers for Miles Turner, Karis Levert, and a twenty twenty one you know second round pick. What do you feel about? Does that one do anything for you? Is Miles Turner doing anything for you? Not particularly. Um, I just I, I don't I, I, like Miles Bridges or excuse me, Miles Turner uh, partnering with Lamelo Ball doesn't blow me away. It does uh, not. Neither. Neither. To, to be honest with you, you know, Levert, unfortunate situation, came on a little bit towards the end of the year. You know, he's a guy that's his true shooting percentage every year is just like. Maybe it just crack league average. Like I, I just think he's, you know, I mean, like he, him and Terry actually remind me of each other quite a bit. Uh, it, they're not they're not the exact same player, but they have very similar. Just like if you just go to Basketball Reference and compare those two, you're like, whoa, 
Like yeah. <laughs> pretty close here. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I think I need a little bit more from if I'm Charlotte. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that that to me is not the the like, especially having PJ included in that. You know, I wouldn't. I would stay away from that. And I get that that Miles Turner like is a is a good defensive player. He really is, but. I don't like his offensive game at all. I don't. I don't yeah, like yeah. center that not really a pick and pop guy. He's not a lob guy. He just he, he can't post. He doesn't get to the line. Like I just don't. Ever, there's so he many just people bring anything to the table offensively. Yeah, yeah just I, I, very. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I am just not nearly as excited as as potentially adding Miles Turner to my roster as. I, I don't know how many, what percentage, but like there are yeah, a lot of people that like follow the team that, that really think highly of him. And and again, I get that because of the, the theoretical shooting and the, the, the rim protection, but uh, he doesn't, I'm not, I'm lower on Turner. Um, so I would not I, do that. Trade. We're, we're aligned. We're aligned there. Yeah. I think if, if Brogdon was there in Levert's place, I, I think I yeah. would be listening. Now, that uh, now be- obviously Charlotte wouldn't need to throw in something at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause Brogdon, I think, Brogdon's a perfect fit on any roster in the NBA. Yes, he's just yeah. he's just the most malleable player out there. One of them, yeah. uh, man, him and Lamelo playing together. I, I think Brogdon could do a lot for Lamelo Ball. I, yes. I think he, I think he'd really make him a better. Yeah, player, but. the the Lamelo, yeah, the Lamelo Brogdon Hayward Miles Quartet. It would be pretty awesome. Would be pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's transition and talk a little bit about the other option Charlotte has with Rozier. He is extension eligible. He's extension eligible all the way through the the next this coming season. So there is no rush for Charlotte here. You know, you just heard us talk about the trade possibility with him this summer. Like we'll see that and that goes all the way up to the trade deadline, you know, next season. So we'll see what happens there. He's eligible for right in the ballpark of four years, ninety-six million dollars because of his because of and that's where it's capped, because his number goes down this coming season from last season on the on the cap hit. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it's inconceivable that the Hornets would would go to the table and, and talk extension with Rozier. Uh, obviously, I, I don't think he's worthy of anything near $96 million over four years kind of thing. Um, there's probably a thought that he is worth that. I, I just – I think he's – Rozier's one of those guys where, you know, and you brought it up earlier, he doesn't get the, to the rim enough – He's not good enough to finish it. Like he does it. He's an athletic player. He is a good athlete, but he doesn't depend on his athletic athleticism so much. Like it, not as much as you would expect him to. I, I just don't know if his offensive game is going to age real well yeah. in, in that way. So I, I would be real queasy about giving that guy anywhere near twenty million dollars a year over four seasons. Over two seasons, yeah, sure. Yeah. But but over that that long, that, that's a tough one for me as well. Same here, especially as he's like exiting his prime. You know, like no, no thanks. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't give enough to. He's already bad defensively. He'll get worse on that end. Um, it'll be tougher for him to get to the rim. Um, he's not a great, you know, like playmaker for others. Although he has flashes or whatever. No, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't really want any part of like Rozier's next contract unless it's short in this in this fashion that you're 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 alluding to, and yeah. you really. You know the the team really is sort of like fancies Rozier as part of like the interim core of this team, mm-hmm. and they, maybe they like the fit with Lamelo, and who knows what happens with Terry and Devante. So you've got to figure that out. But no, I I would I am in no rush to extend him. In fact, I don't really want to. I also like as far as not getting it done this off season too. Like let's just say Charlotte goes into next season, they don't trade Terry Rozier, 
let's just say things don't go well next season for Charlotte, right? You know, they, they go into the season with playoff aspirations, but, you know, Hayward gets hurt or they just, they're, you know, LaMelo regresses, whatever, whatever it is. I would want the Terry expiring contract at the deadline to say, mm-hmm. to, to, to then shop that then too. Because like, that thing is expiring now, but it's going to be expiring in February uh, 2022. So no, I yeah. I would not extend Terry Rozier um, anytime soon. And, and really, because he's at the height of his value as a trade asset right now, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, that in my opinion doesn't mean it's not the time then to – to, to then pony up and give him a, a raise. I hate to say it. Like maybe, like you said, yeah. maybe there's some justification for it. It's like he's played well, you know, guys should get, you know, when they, when they play well, they should make money. Like that's how the system kind of works or whatever. But I'd let, I'd rather let someone else uh, do that than the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. And this is not a Kimball Walker situation on expiring contract, right? Like, like yeah. Charlotte, we could see like yes. where, where the, 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 end of the road was and how ugly it was going to be if they didn't do anything. And this Terry was a, it was a throw in, right? There's other players on this, on this roster. They're going to take us into the future. So in, I, if he shoots it well again next season, like first half of the season leading up to the deadline, if he, if these catch and shoot numbers, general three point shooting numbers stay the same, like, Somebody would give Charlotte, and let's say Charlotte's behind schedule and win loss. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's going to pay a first round pick to get this guy. Yeah, I, I agree because he again, if he's playing at this level still, right, as a guy that can score from a couple levels and and give you some shooting. Yeah, and like if they did that too, it would be like I mean, it's not exactly splitting the atom to do this, but this is like the the Sam Presti school of asset management, right? Like you take an asset and you turn it into something else, right? You know what I mean, like. So yep. you, you take the Kemba's expiring, you turn it into Rozier, and then if you turn that into a first round pick, and then who knows what that pick turns into? Like you know, this stuff builds, and so yes, that's why I would be interested in, in pursuing that route. All right, Devonte Graham, a last player we're going to discuss in, in terms of Hornets offseason. He's a restricted free agent. Uh, I, I don't think there'll be a shortage of teams that are very interested in his services. Already talked about one of them, the Los Angeles Lakers. I think it's a good fit for uh, for Devontae. I think that they need his shooting badly. Uh, again, a lot of teams need his backup point guard. I can run a team. I'm a high assist, low turnover player that has offensive struggles, no doubt. Anything inside the arc, basically. But I am a really good off the dribble shooter as well. Like I think he just checks all the backup point point guard boxes. So I think I think it's going to be a competitive market. Uh, for Devontae, but he's only got a $4.7 million cap hold. The Hornets can can hold on to his restricted rights. They can keep him on the books. They can say, go get an offer sheet. And and basically from there, just assess if it makes sense with what else they got to do this offseason to build this roster as an under-the-cap team and just see if Devontae fits. I think it's pretty simple for Charlotte. So I do think there's a chance he's back. I, I do. Yeah, I, I think so too. His presence seems sort of important to the DNA of this team. And it's like, even with LaMelo, there's very obviously a prominent role for him here in his ability to run a second unit, to close games. He just I know he did not shoot the pull-up three all that well this year, but we just have a two-year sample of him being a pretty darn good three-point shooter, both off the catch and off the dribble, with big-time range, and his pick and roll passing, his transition passing, 
he just he's a very good offensive player. There there are a million numbers you could you from the from looking at possession stats on synergy to looking at you know go to dunks and threes and pull up you know the EPM. Like it, it just there's a lot of stuff that suggests when this guy's on the court, Charlotte's offense is substantially better. And um, so yeah, I don't to lose to to draft this guy in the second round to develop him. Yeah, you know you've you've got to really think about retaining him. You know, I think that's uh, um, something that should be also be a, a priority for Charlotte this summer. But I know some of that because of the nature of restricted free agency or whatever could be um, I don't know that could be a little tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's one more thing Devonte brings to the team to a team with Lamelo Ball that I think is really important, and we saw it. In in the one postseason, you know, game we got to see from the Hornets there against the Pacers, but you know, Lamelo and and Devontae are very different in terms of pace, right? The, the speed they play at, how they play the game offensively, and I think that's really really key for Charlotte to keep in their back pocket if they can moving forward. Is you know, with Lamelo and the full, they're trying to go, they're trying to grab, they're trying to go, create transition opportunities, be aggressive in passing lanes defensively. I think with Devontae, he gives you the chess piece to if a team drags you underwater. It makes you play slower. It makes you execute in the half court. Devontae Graham's a really key piece, in my opinion, to Charlotte's yeah. half court offensive success. And so I think that's one way to look at his value specifically for the Hornets. I think it's going to be interesting. I, again, I think there's a chance, but I do think that somebody might overpay a little bit for Devontae, mostly because of his shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it, again, if you – there's certain stats when you see how little he gets to the rim and how he, he sort of struggles down in there, even when he does actually crack the defense, um, you know, that does put, it puts a cap on, on sort of like, yep. you know, what role he can serve and how, how effective he can actually be for, for an offense. Uh, the last thing I'll one of the last things to mention, or just another thing to mention on Devante is like, if Charlotte trades Terry Rozier, we don't think they're going to do that, but if they did do that this offseason, you know, it's one thing if they bring back Luke Kennard or if they get someone, some facsimile of Terry to sort of play that role. But I mean, let's say you traded Terry and it doesn't net you like another like shooting guard scorer type. Let's say you do that. Let's say you don't draft someone along those lines either. But let's say you bring back Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham can do a lot of the stuff that you used to run with Terry Rozier. Like a lot of a lot of those movement sets in the half court, Devonte he was ridiculous shooting off the catch this season, shooting off movement. We talked about this on the pod. I think maybe when Rozier got hurt a little bit early in the season, just like, look, you should be able to copy and paste and put Devonte in, and they run they run some of that stuff for yeah. him, but not not the same volume. You know, I, I don't. It, I just I just think of it as when you're trying to grease the offense, you know, playing Devonte with Lamelo. And then having Devonte be your off-ball mover type is like that will be very that like you can build a very good offense around that. Uh, sure. You know, if Gordon Hayward and Miles Bridges and PJ Washington are on the court too, so um, I think that's another thing to consider is that if you shopped Rozier, you actually moved him, and you didn't get something to sort of like replace that presence in the lineup in terms of skill set, mm-hmm. that Devonte can slide in and, and like absorb some of those possessions too. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, last thing we'll mention on the Hornets uh, offseason, um, before we jump into just a few minutes of, of a few draft prospects we want to discuss, is you know Miles Bridges, he's extension eligible. Uh, he will be – well, the, the league year needs to turn over first, but he will be 
uh, up until the beginning of the 21-22 season. So he's just finished his third year on his rookie scale contract. Every rookie at that point is extension eligible. You know, this seems like a no-brainer uh, to me that the Hornets should do everything they can to lock Miles up for four more years. Or it could be five more years if he got the max extension. He won't get that. So four more years. But that will come after free agency. Free agency, obviously, Hornets have Miles Bridges' bird rights, so they can extend, you know, the cap to to lock him down to an extension. So, just something to keep in the back of your mind. That will probably be uh, a business item for the Hornets once free agency ends and can go all the way up to the beginning uh, of next season. BG, so let's take about ten minutes here and talk about a few prospects. I'll lean on you mostly here. Before we jumped on, we talked about how are the Hornets going to plug. You know the center spot. They probably need at least two centers if they're not going to bring back Cody Zeller uh, this off season. So, in the last episode of Busby, there was some really good conversation about free agency options for the Hornets. BG and I are going to talk about a few draft options. <clears throat> Let's start uh, with Usman G- Garuba. I'm not going to say these names slow because <laughs> these are both <laughs> these are both European. Usman Garuba played for Real Madrid, 19 years old. BG, tell me about this guy. Why is he an option for Charlotte in the middle? Yeah, and like to be clear, like uh, Garuba, probably not a full-time five. Um, I think a kind of guy, we've talked a lot about sort of like P.J. Washington's diet to play the five, and maybe you know Garuba is somewhere in that where you know, 25% of his possessions or 50%. You know, I just don't think he's, he's necessarily a, a full-time five just given his um, size, but he can guard – a bunch of positions. This guy has the chance to be the best defender um, in the draft. I think possibly monster helps defender, big time uh, athlete, you know, rim protector uh, His pick and roll defense is interesting. He can do a lot of different stuff, switch drop. Um, so I really, I like, he's a guy that if I were Charlotte, I would be, I would be considering very strongly. And I think, you know, you're maybe not solving all of the things you're trying to get at center, but he really helps the Charlotte defense that needs rim protection, that needs some punch up front. And I do think it would make for some interesting lineup combinations with PJ and with Miles and with some of, you know, Gordon Hayward or, you know, LaMelo and some of the other young guards. So there's a chance though that Garuba like could actually be more of like a big wing. And I think there's a case to be made for that too. Like, there are like he has the ability to make plays for others. His defense is really, really good. We talked about some of these help responsibilities and just how impactful he can be there. Um, there are big time questions with shooting mechanics, um, but I think he has serious upside as a help defender and a guy that can really influence and deter shots at the rim. So Again, I don't I don't know if he's sort of like the proto five that Charlotte should be uh, looking for, but he is like the defender, one a defender type that they should be targeting. So I, I would really like Garuba. I think if Charlotte ends up dra- keeping the eleventh pick, which I think they will, and they end up drafting in that range, I, I don't think that's necessarily too high for Garuba. Um, and again, I think he has the chance to be a, a real impact defender um, in the NBA and in help, like help early and uh, and really be a guy that could you know develop and grow with this, uh, the young nucleus in Charlotte. Yeah, I, I just started, <laughs> full disclosure, watching, uh, you know, film, highlights, tape, whatever on, on draft prospects. 
this week. I, I did get to look at Garuba a little bit. I mean, yeah, his, his defensive intangibles are obvious. Um, he, he's a guy that's going to be able to guard one through five, you know, to all the points that, that Brian was making. You know, he's, he's obviously very raw offensively. He's He's got a long way to go on that end. And what makes it even more of a mystery is to the point you were getting at BG, it's like, if, is he a big wing? Is he a small ball center? Is he just somewhere depending on the lineup and the matchup? That That's the one thing that gives me a little bit of cold feet. I mean, you could also argue that that's a, that's a plus. He's a big time unknown though. I, you know, I, 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 that's one thing about Garuba that I think you just watch him for five minutes. And you're like, all right, there's, there's a lot to, there's a lot to take in here, but yeah. yes, he, he's one of those, like, he's going to be a plus defensive player immediately. Mm-hmm. But offensively, he's going to be a negative immediately. And you wonder, does that part of the game ever come online? He's not the same player as Matisse Thibault at all. But I think that that's like an archetype to – if you just want to think about how patient you're going to be with a guy like this who's going to impact one side of the floor, I think you would think you kind of start with Thibault because, you know, we know how good of a wing defender he is. I mean, he might be the best in the world. But, you know, offensively, there's just like, uh, we don't know if this is ever going to happen. So, so yeah, I, I wouldn't mind it at 11. I, I'm not blown away, though. Yeah, the one thing would be, and Garuba's a guy that's been on, like, he's been on international radars for probably about about two years now. But, you know, the thought would be, th- the thigh bowl is an interesting discussion point, but it's also like, you know, Garuba has been playing professional for a couple of years now. Thibault was coming in after, you know, a four-year college career, too. So it's like, you do have somewhat of there. It feels like there's more of a window. I feel like to like really like energy focus on, on uh, on development. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I again, I, I think highly of of Garuba as a prospect, and I, I think he has a chance to be a uh, really really uh, big time like defender and and like help defender at the rim. All right, the second prospect we're going to touch on before we get out of here, and I might say this first name. I know I have the last name correct. I might say the first name wrong. Al Al Alpirin Sangoon. I butchered that, didn't I, BG? You probably know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you did all right. You did all right. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I, I'm impressed with Sangoon. I, I think that he <clears throat> is an extremely polished offensive player. You, you watch him play. You watch his body language. You watch his footwork. Uh, his up and under prowess. I mean. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of European centers that we know, you know, some Nikola Jokic touch, some Yusuf Nurkic kind of stuff. I mean, you you see a lot of those kind of players in his game. I mean, you can tell that he's really studied their game. So I think he's a good passer. I I, I just think he's a fascinating fit with Lamelo Ball. Um, he's a little heavy footed. He's not an ex- exceptional athlete. You know, he doesn't have you know the length of a Miles Turner or anything like this, but. Man, I, I I think he's a really really skilled and talented offensive player that that is going to translate to the NBA, and he's super young. You know, we, we can't be sure he's he's not even nineteen years old yet. I mean, we don't even know that he's done growing either. Six ten, two hundred forty pounds, with the offensive numbers that you know that he's put up. Um, I'm pretty high on Sangoon, and when I started digging in on him this week, and then kind of went over to draft Twitter and took the temperature. I was a little surprised to see that. I think most people are lukewarm mm-hmm. on Sangoon. BG, what do you think about him and his potential fit in Charlotte? I, I like him as a prospect, maybe not the, the, the fit so much with, with Charlotte. Although I think there's maybe some conflicting opinions there, but you know, good low block score 
a good finisher around the basket, um, can self-create a little bit off the off the dribble. Definitely not like a bad athlete. I mean, he's thrown down some pretty some pretty impressive dunks. Uh, you know, either like you know attacking off a off the dribble or a, a putback look. Like he can he can get up and 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 finish a little bit, but not like an elite athlete. Um, you know, struggles guarding quicker players. Uh, you know, we'll see how far out he can extend his uh, his shooting range. And and you brought up his size, like you know. Is he a four and a five's body? I mean, who I don't know if it's quite along those lines, but maybe a little undersized to just sort of like like you can just know that for sure that he can you know routinely give you that physicality that, that inside. But you know, I like his playmaking, I like his scoring, I like his ability to function in a you know motion type offense, which I guess you know it's you know depending on what Charlotte's running is like a is something that that could play to his strengths a little bit. So I like him. Um, he would not be of this like center group. He is the one I'm, I like him, but I'm like a little lower on him than some of these other guys. And, and I, we should mention some of these other names too, but just other players for Charlotte to consider around 11 would be Isaiah Jackson, who has sort of offers out of Kentucky who offers that discrete set of skills, um, that Charlotte's probably looking for in a center. Um, the lob bot, you know, he would be Lamelo throwing lobs to Jackson would be pretty impressive. Um, it feels like if Kentucky had been a little bit better this year, people, broadly speaking, would have seen Jack Ijax a little bit more. And I mean, he really can be a potentially you know special disruptive defender. Such a long, uh, impactful athlete. Another guy to consider in this range. I don't know how much Auburn you watched this year, but JT Thor, super duper long. Uh, ha- can really be an impact of like, you know, pretty good stocks numbers in terms of block rate, steal rate has can do some sort of interesting stuff with his shot as far as like running around and, and trying to get up threes. Like he's not completely like uh, allergic to doing that. So Thor is another, and he's just, he's so long um, that he is also a very intriguing prospect for Charlotte to target at center. And then if I were throwing, you know, at least one more name out there, I would also uh, mention Kai Jones out of Texas. I, again, I think he's more of like a four, four and a half. Um, and defensively, he's pretty lost. Um, I'm I'm not really thrilled with how he can rotate around reliably and protect the rim. It's just he tries hard. He has a good motor and he's long. And like laterally, he moves like a wing. You know, he's like a six eleven wing. It's crazy to watch him. You know cut and shoot pull-ups and like do all this wild stuff like he's he's a really crazy athlete i just don't know if he's right now you can project and out and say like oh the the median outcome of him is like you know the rim protector that charlotte or the defender that charlotte is sort of like looking uh the the lob threat that charlotte is sort of looking for but i do really like kai jones a lot as a as a as a prospect um so those are a couple other names I, i would throw out that are in this sort of like draft range and in, in, in this, in this position type as well. It's going to be an inter- you know, if Charlotte lands at 11, it, it'll, it will be interesting to see where they look there. I mean, we all know what the need is at center, but the, this draft isn't, it's not, it does have a good amount of centers in it. I think they could be good players in the league, but there's, yeah. there's no surefire uh, other than Evan Mobley. And I, it's yeah. pretty good. Pretty good bet that Charlotte's not going to have a chance to draft yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> very small chance. I mean, he would be like a dream. Like, you know, I mean, if, if Charlotte had a top three pick, it would be – I mean, they would be doing the moonwalk because, 
you know, very yeah. good chance you're going to get Evan, you know, you're going to get uh, Evan Mobley at this range that they're in. I, I would prefer that Charlotte go wing. I mean, mm-hmm. fo- like go best player available, go wing and then use free agency uh, to, to sort of mm-hmm. like satisfy the need at center. Um, I know we're, we're trying to get out of here, but would you mind if I brought up one last guy before we close this thing yeah. down? Um, sure. This is a pro- again, I'm sure by this point, you know, when we talk about these prospects, we're not actually introducing any, but like people follow the draft year round. Like this is a thing, but uh, Jaden Springer is a guy that there seems to be a fair amount of variance in between where he's being mocked and sort of similar to maybe like Tyrese Maxey last season. Uh, you know, there's, there's one contingent online that is higher on Jaden Springer than, you know, uh, John Gavoni or some of these other people that are doing the ESPN mocks or whatever, but he's 18 years old, uh, played at Tennessee this past season. Won't turn 19 until late September. He's the youngest college slash American prospect in the draft. He'll basically be a month younger than Patrick Williams was a year ago, uh, at the 2020 draft, who was the youngest American college prospect at that draft, but six, three, six, four, you know, probably like a plus three in wingspan. So, you know, nothing too crazy, but he weighs, you know, 205 pounds and he's built. I mean, the guy is like pretty well developed for someone that won't turn 19 until, uh, you know, almost four months from now. He's from Charlotte, uh, two seasons at Rocky River High School, um, and then two seasons at IMG Academy. But just here's why I really like Springer and why I like his fit for Charlotte. Uh, his, it starts sort of probably with his functional athleticism, but he's strong creates good contact as a driver, uses his strength to create contact in those those like in, in in those sort of like initial post-contact windows, draws fouls, finishes, has good touch on those looks, you know, able to get his shoulder into his defender, separate and just flick these shots deep in the paint right in. And you also see his strength sometimes as like a a rim protector, like a guy that rotates around. He can play with vertical. I know he's not that long, but just he's strong in the chest and he's hard to displace in the air. And he plays with good verticality and you see his strength show up there too. Pretty quick, you know, good for not super duper explosive, but solid first step, solid first dribble. And he really uses that strength to create these pockets or gaps of advantage. Um, and, and along with his jump stop and shot fakes, like he's a good triple threat face up player. And that's something we sort of saw more and more as the season went on at, at Tennessee. But I really like his triple threat face up game, like wants to show you the ball shot fake and, and then drive but at all times like you know, Springer shot ready on the wing um and that helps sort of like launch into some of these attack situations and he's just constantly doing small things to like pick up a little bit of advantage on the margin so being shot ready the shot fake the first step like that's just a f- efficient spot up driving and I really like that out of him um not a super crazy uh vertical leaper with a ton of pop or whatever he's a two-foot leaper a la uh, Jalen Suggs, which can you know impact some aspects of his finishing and make stuff a little bit more challenging, but incredible body control in the air. Uh, you know, maybe nothing crazy in terms of like midair contortion and hang time, but just the ability to sort of like glide and and avoid offensive fouls. Um, good balance, good body control, stop, change speeds, decelerate, anything to sort of like ditch a defender. And, and I think he even does a pretty nice job sort of like synchronizing some of these moves and having combo moves to put together as a in terms of his own offensive creation. Really quick hands, times his steal opportunities well. And then the thing that I that I sort of really focus in on, like we can talk about how important it is to be a good on-ball defender or not, like 
varying degrees of importance depending on who you talk to, but he's really tremendous guarding the basketball, as is his his teammate Keon Johnson at, at Tennessee, who's another guy that Charlotte should probably kick the can on. But that Springer, as good as he is on the basketball, would really help Charlotte. I love his fit into the core with LaMelo and Hayward as a guy that could be guard opposing point guards. You put him in there at the two. He shot really well. He shot pretty well on a limited sample this season, but the shot looks really good, and he can give you some on-ball defense, which this team desperately needs at the point of attack. But yeah, it can disrupt shit on the ball against a variety of position types, including smaller, twitchier guards. I think he'll be able to guard NBA point guards. Um, yeah, I just I think he can help Charlotte next season, even though he'll only be 19, and obviously just a massive development piece for Charlotte to have uh, going forward. Um, Last thing here, uh, just good baseline level of shooting and feel. I think he projects as a pretty good shooter. There are some good indicators. Uh, there's a versatility component to so those pull-up twos that I talked about, the pump, drive, jump stop, soft touch on a, on a runner, a jump shot in the lane. Like I really, really like his body control and touch on those looks. His shooting form is good. You know, it's consistent motion. There's no waste, just an efficient, efficient shot. So, um, and he put up great numbers this season at Tennessee, despite having to be like, you know, at times their, you know, their primary playmaker, even though he was a very young freshman. So he's going to be there at 11. Uh, I feel pretty confident saying, but I really do think Jaden Spring has a chance to be one of the best players in this draft. I think he's a guy that makes a ton of sense with Charlotte. And um, I think he's a guy that as we get closer to the draft, we should really focus in on. I think there are a variety of guys that Charlotte's going to have the opportunity to pick at 11. That's where the pick lands, right? Um, right. and, and Springer's, I think, in my opinion, should be on the on the short list of of guards or wings that they are they're looking at there. Yeah, I mean, a developing player, no question about it. You know, you you brought it up, youngest player, college player in the draft. You make a great case of how good of a defensive fit he is. I agree with that. Uh, you know, if Jaden Springer learns to be a lead guard, uh, set the table half court kind of offensive talent. I mean, yeah, it, you got to think all the rest of the intangibles you brought up or it, it's, he's going to be a really good player. So, all right, let's get out of here, BG uh, more draft prospect conversation. As you guys know, will be uh, in the future on Buzzbeat. until next time. I'm Spencer. That's BG. Thanks for joining. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.